welcome to Wesco Dice. Hey there, folks. I'm your host, the Cozy with the most. The rest of the Wesco Dice team includes Brian, the Stark Raving Mad One, Matt, the Ghost Walker, Justin, the Meeple's Champion, and of course, let's not forget Suzanne. This is episode 110 of the Wisco Dice Tabletop Gaming Podcast! Woo! And today is May 24th, 2023. On today's episode, we'll cover our exclusive interview with Crossbow Games as we chat about their new game, Koba, coming to Game Crafter on June 5th. But first... Let's go ahead and roll into the games we've been playing! Alright, so for our first game uh, this week, we got a chance to pull out Raiders of the North Sea. So it's Garfell Games. Uh, Playtime is about 60 to 80 minutes. Uh, it can be a little bit on the longer time uh, when you get up to the to the larger player counts it, it plays two to four um we got it out for a game night uh, one of our thursdays um it is considered the second game in the north sea trilogy it is set in the viking age uh with viking warriors and your job is to basically impress your chieftain by raiding the unsuspecting settlements so when you do that you have to build a crew you have to gather resources so you have the right stuff to go raid and when you raid you're going to collect provisions plunder gold collect iron and livestock which will let you upgrade your crew and do better things so every turn you get to place a worker and pick up a worker and um you know you're either trying to work back in the village or you're out doing a raid um so so this one was an interesting game i this was my first play of it uh, it was a lot of fun. It you you almost um, you know there are some games that they always describe as you just never have enough actions. This is one of those because you're really only taking either one action or two actions every turn. So, uh, and if you're really unlucky, somebody else blocks the action or doesn't leave it open the way you want it to be. So, um, there's a lot of interaction with the other people on the board and. You know, just hoping and praying somebody doesn't uh, take something from you or use something in a different way. So what did you guys think? Well, I absolutely love the place a worker on the board, take that, resolve that action. Then you're taking another worker off the board and resolving that action. And so you have this like, oh, I please, please don't let Matt take my take the worker because <laughs> he's going ahead of me. Oh, oh, thank goodness. Oh, darn it. Darn it, Suzanne took the worker I needed. Dang it. <laughs> that, that, I, I can't, how many, I think, how many times was somebody at the table going, darn it, you took my, you took what I wanted or I took what I needed. And that, yep. to me, that's, that's a lot, that's some, that's a lot of fun sometimes in a game. And I didn't, I had uh, played it once before we played it at game night. And I didn't remember that. I think we played it as a two-player, and I don't think it was a, that kind of element was as pro predominant in a two-player. But no, playing I... it with five, because um, we had an expansion added in to let us play it at five, really, really brought that out. Yeah, I mean, I think when we played it as a two-player, 
you were really hoping someone would move to the spot you wanted because it was just like, oh, well, you know, all the spots are always there, but you want to be able to do some, like, two spots that are open on your turn. Um, at the five player, it was less, there was, you know, always something that I wanted to do, how to work around it. So for me, that was really nice. I like that it's, I like the theme a little bit better than the West Kingdom series. Oh. Um, I actually, I prefer the Raiders. So the North Sea series, I think, is more uh, interesting theme-wise for me. I'm interested to play the other ones. And I'm also really excited to try uh, the South Tigris group when it comes out. But this is just, it seems like it's, there's not that much to do. And then you just kind of work your way up the board raiding and... Um, like you said, you can mess with other people without even trying to. So, so I haven't played this, but how does it compare? I, I'm a fan of the, the West Kingdom series. How does it compare gameplay wise? You said you like the theme better. It's very similar. Like the, it's the same iconography. So, mm-hmm. and you know, it's a slightly different mechanic where you're, you're placing one worker, you're taking one worker. Instead of like with architects, where the more workers you have on a spot of your color, you know, the better your your action is. This one, it's you know, everyone is sharing workers, and depending on what color you place there, you might get different benefit. I don't know. I don't know what the rest of you. I know Brian, you were also playing this too with us. I think, right? Yeah, I think you guys both kind of hit like the. I don't know. The funnest part of it was that kind of player action. I was thinking about the worker placement, like compared to some other worker placements where you like put all your workers out there and then you got to like spend a turn, like kind of collecting them all back or like, you know, a various turn sequence like that. I thought it was really cool that since you were all interacting with the same pieces, it just like flowed continuously. Like that was something that was kind of unique in this game to me. And I liked a lot. I feel like this game flows very well. If you're a fan of the West Kingdom trilogy games, this is this game fits very well. It feels very familiar while you still having a very clever twist on the worker placement mechanic, resource gathering, and how you're using them that that makes it fit within the theme and you feel it feels a little it feels right you know for that it's there's a little bit of a race particularly to get to certain locations so that so that you can claim those to try to contribute towards maybe at the beginning of the game it's oh hey it's that race to get to the better workers and then it's the the race to get the better reward all the time while you're trying to figure out like these different paths and different ways to score points and there's a lot of different ways to score points and unlike a game like architects of the west kingdom i haven't pretty much feel like I've completely solved for, at least in base architects, how to win the game, what the most effective and easiest way is to win the game on, like, every play. Yeah, I, I obviously did not conquer that on my first playthrough, but it was still a fun game. I Like, like Suzanne, I, I like the theme. It was a lot of fun. All right, so that was Raiders of the North Sea by Carfield Games. I'll jump in with our Second game of what we've been playing lately. We often talk about it on the show, but this is the first time we'll kind of highlight it. But we're going to talk about Batman Miniatures game from Night Models. Uh, Playtime is usually probably uh, two to three hours. Uh, player count, it's only a one, one-on-one game playing against an opponent. 
most of us here have played it. Justin is the only one we haven't quite converted yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, I think one of the bigger grabs for this game is that it is Batman-themed, so I know there's probably generally a lot of like superhero fans out there, comic book fans. I'm familiar with DC Comics. I don't know. That's part of the enjoyment uh, with it. And then, uh, so there's a bunch of different crews represented in the game. You know, all the familiar bad guys and like Batman and the cops. You have an objective deck is how you score points in that game. So over the four rounds of the game, you have a hand of your cards and various things you have to do on the cards, usually by placing these suspect markers, which is an action one of your models can take. And everybody's crew deck is kind of themed uh, appropriately for the crew and kind of gives them a different strategy and stuff. And it provides a lot of character to the game. From there, obviously, it's a miniature game. It's played on a 3 by 3 board. You like usually you're in some kind of urban Gotham City kind of terrain. Uh, there's quite a bit of options out for terrain. And I don't know, you can get some pretty cool board setups. Um, it doesn't really inhibit the game too much to have a pretty fancy board. Although it can get kind of cluttered sometimes. Yeah, the more terrain in this game, the better, generally speaking. Yeah, you don't definitely don't want something just super wide open sometimes. Yeah, then it's just a standoff type game then. <laughs> There's some really cool boards that you can do up. Like we have a, a board that's all kind of the Joker's the theme park or um, even just doing in like whatever your town is and putting Batman in it. You can you can do that. So it's it's just a, I think it's an easy one to get the train for and really get into the train as much as you get into the cruise with it. I think it's worth noting, I mean, because it is a miniature game, I mean, there are always going to be matchups that are less than ideal, but, you know, it's still kind of a puzzle. It's kind of a challenge. You got to challenge yourself to think differently when you're facing a different crew or, you know, um, you know, but, you know, that's part of the fun. It's it's a bit of a puzzle. Yeah. It's a bit of how do I score my deck? So and that kind of gives say... some depth to the game. Yeah, and I'd say if you're interested in checking this game out, it was my first miniatures game I really played, and I think it's really the only miniatures game I've really played, actually. <laughs> but if you are a, friend or a fan of any of these different types of crews or any of the movies in that universe, you just pick the one that you like, and the starter box you get for that crew, like Birds of Prey, you just play them like you're the characters in the movie. And you will have fun and you will be successful. And at least, you know, the whole two crews that I played, uh, Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey, they both play just like you would expect, just like you're in the movies with them. So that, for me, makes it fun and a little bit easier to get into and to learn. If you're in the Madison area, you can always, or you're just swinging by maybe on a work trip or something like that, you can swing by and check out the game on Monday nights at Noble Knight Games. We play there every week. I particularly have been enjoying playing my Bat Family. I did a little twist to it recently, and it's, it's I just love the way the street-level nature of the game is, the way I can swoop in with my Bat Claw and Batman can stealth out of the shadows, and yet things like the cops and whatnot can 
you know, they rest things, and Joker likes to poison things. It's everything feels so thematic to the universe that you're playing on the on the tabletop. And while I know that DC, the greater DC universe, is oftentimes maybe less of a less of a exciting thing, and I know Marvel is really hot because the whole MCU thing right now, but coolest superhero out there is got to be Batman. Well, good thing this game has probably like twenty different versions of Batman too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can take your pick on which sculpt and which one's slightly different rules are your favorite. So yeah, lots of cool, fun themed options, easy to get into, and a lot of fun. Probably a good highlight to Batman Miniatures game. If you want to check out the Batman Miniature game or you want to check out Raiders of the North Sea and see more about it, pictures of those games, head on over to whiskodice.com for links to the games we talked about in today's episode. Hey folks, this is the Conesy of the Most. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about Misty Mountain Games here in Madison, Wisconsin, where you can find CCGs, RPGs, board games, minis, paint and hobby supplies for your all of your tabletop gaming experience and needs. If you can't find it online, give them a phone call or swing on by their brick-and-mortar store uh, here on the east side of Madison. Don't worry, that is MistyMountainGames.com. Check them out today. Okay, and we are back, everyone, and welcome to Jonathan and Ryan from Crossbow Games. They are joining us to talk about their new upcoming game they've got going. Hey guys, how are you? Hey, we're doing good. good. Thanks for having us. Great. Great. Again. So, thanks for having us again. <laughs> yeah, it says we're excited to have you guys again. We talked with you a few months ago, had you on a, a show and talked about a lot of the games that you've have already designed and your gaming design philosophy. So for those listeners that maybe haven't had an opportunity to listen to that podcast yet, which I will link in the show notes. Do you want to give a brief overview of what Crossbow Games is and what Crossbow Games does? Sure. Yeah, so we we are Crossbow Games, made up of myself, Jonathan Carnell, and my pal, Ryan Shromack. We're from the Milwaukee area, and we design... Uh, we're, we're an indie indie design studio, Publishing is maybe a little too, is maybe a little inaccurate. We design, develop, and publish our own games. We are currently putting them all up through the Game Crafter. So far, our games are all small Minton card and dice games. So they're very portable, and uh, we try to make uh, like unique and kind of small, unique. clever games that are probably filler, lightweight, filler weight. But more, yeah, but they're still geared towards gamers. Because you're not going to find, like, your Nana's not shopping on the Game Crafter for games. She'll just buy Uno and, and Cribbage from Walmart. And unless Nana's into indie games, then, then she's yeah. all over it. <laughs> and so we try to always, you know, we're, we play a whole gamut of games ourselves as gamers. And so we're borrowing, you know, new and crazy mechanisms from all from all over the place and trying to distill it down to something incredibly simple and unique. And so while they're filler filler weight, 
they're hopefully still scratch some gamer itch or kind of excite you with some new mechanism or something like that. I will add that for our listeners that Ben and I have uh, received copies of Draft Horse and Skullball, and we were just blown away by the depth in those games. They're like you said, they're simple. They come in a mint tin. You can play Draft Horse on the table when you're out at a restaurant, but you do have to think about it and use like what you've learned as a gamer and your strategies to be successful at the game and beat your opponent. Thank you so much. So, so you've got a new game coming out. Tell you want to tell us a little bit about this new game. So this one, it's a a game about a mysterious treasure hidden in the Yucatan Peninsula, in a temple that is cursed by uh, animal spirits. So the point of this game, it's co-op, so two to four players, and you're trying to ascend this temple that is shifting while these animal spirits try to. Uh, Try to bring you down. And so it's very much kind of in the Indiana Jones genre. You know, it even has a special action card with a hat, and there's one with a whip. But it's not, you know. It is, but it isn't. A nice nod to it. It's so, it's a two to four player game where I think your past games you've designed have all been two player, correct? Correct. We spend a lot of time together, just the two of us, and so our two player games get a lot more reps. Because every time we meet up, we can play them, and they progress. But getting a, a bigger group of playtesters together is a little harder to come by. So this game, this game has been in development for a long time. We're excited to finally get it out. Very cool. Do you, so you've talked about the theme. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the game mechanics that go along with this? What are, are the, the game is going to find in their mint tin when they open it and get it? All right, so... One of my favorite mechanisms is multi-use cards where there's a lot of things on a single card and you can use it in, in, in different ways at different times. And so in this case, the entire deck, the cards are essentially the same. They're all, they all have a giant stone slab and those are the steps of this temple with a number on it, which also when it's in the temple, that represents the height. Because ultimately you're trying to get the steps in ascending order so you can get to the top of the temple, because as Ryan said, I think that the steps are moving. The whole thing is enchanted. It's kind of like a stone Rubik's cube. While the cards are in your hand, that number represents, instead of the height of the step, it actually represents the initiative, because also on the card is uh, your actions. And those are things like move or attack or rearrange the, the temple steps. The game, it's a simultaneous reveal, and you're all trying to manipulate the same little meeple. It's the, like your, your adventure party. And so let's say your, advent, your, your guy, there's a snake spirit right in front of them. Well, so before you move, you've got to kill that, that spirit. And so hopefully somebody has a low initiative with an attack before somebody plays you know, a, a, move, a card with a movement. And so you're kind of trying to read your, your players and hope that you've got the right initiative and the right action so you can kind of combo together and, and, and move your way up without you know, suffering the consequences of running headlong into a snake spirit or a jaguar spirit or something like that. I've heard it said before that you shouldn't describe a game by referencing other games because you want to be original, I guess, is the rationale. But in this case, you know, we're talking to all a bunch of gamers. And so it'd probably be easier to just say it's it's quite a bit like the mind, or at least that mechanism of dropping your cards down. It's almost like if the mind 
then affected something beyond just the cards themselves. And I've actually said before, it's kind of like the mind meets Racco, because in Racco, you're trying to get, it's an old one, you're trying to get your cards in order in your little tray. The game's all about simultaneously revealing your actions and trying to get the thing in order and get to the top. So that, <laughs> it does sound, it's a unique way to combine both of those. Those two, those game mechanics. So that's really neat. So that's something people have to look forward to in this tin that is much small. That's going to be much smaller than either the Mind Box or Racco even, mm -hmm. and it's portable. Well, and actually, Ryan and I were just talking about comparing. I'm sorry, Draft Horse to Koba. Mechanically, there's nothing similar, but in in Draft Horse, Draft Horse could be very easily compared to a game like. Sushi Go, or even Fairy Tale, or even Seven Wonders. And those games, you're doing this back and forth draft, and you just collect, and that's basically the whole game. But in Draft Horse, you collect, 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 but then you've got your own personal little puzzle with the the cards, the shipments, and the goods, and what do you do with it? And so, um, you know, Koba is almost like, you know, um, the Draft Horse to Sushi Go is a little bit like Koba is to the mind. It's that basic action, but then taking it to the next level, affecting something on a, a board, if you will. Yeah, so that's really neat that you can do that with um with your other games that you've produced. There is a way to increase the difficulty and also lends itself to additional replayability. With Koba, what did you put in here to allow that with this game? So there's there's the mind game that is the mind where you're trying to like, oh, is my is my partner going to, or is my team going to play low numbers and try to move first? Or should I anticipate that based on what they have been playing? Like if I've been paying attention and then am I, am I going to be able to use an attack action or should I do something else like exchange a card that's in the temple with one that's in my hand, which allows me that action later. So there's like Jonathan said, it's kind of like this big Rubik's cube that you're trying to cooperatively solve. And so the, the second layer of it though, is just the fact that like if you mess up your sequencing like you hit these spirits and they each do different things so like the jaguar will discard cards from the top of the deck which is effectively your your timer to to win this game um once you're out of cards you, you can't make it to the top because you have no actions the snake will shuffle cards up so it'll make gaps larger or or smaller um depending on uh what you're trying to do or it it might put a number a smaller number in front of the number you're on which you can't even move to uh, so just to, to name a few but really it's it's quite a brutal game um and, and you really have to even play probably two or three before you kind of get in sync with this group that you're with and and feel like you're firing on all cylinders to answer the, your replayability question more directly it's that First, first of all, the, the temple is dealt out differently every time. And so literally every time it'll be a different sequence that you need to kind of struggle through. But then once you've mastered that, if, if the base game right out of the box is too, too easy for you because you're just that in sync with your friends, uh, we, have a couple, we have several different ways to increase the difficulty. Uh, the first one is we've got two, two extra cards that are, uh, they are Quetzalcoatl. And so it's another spirit, but it's just a, a big block of stone. It, it, it's basically a dead card in your hand or on the table. And so it, it kind of shrinks your hand. 
and it's just this extra problem you have to deal with. And so you could add in one or you could add in two. And then we've got even more kind of modules you can add on with alternate rules of the spirits themselves, of the basic spirits. And that was really important for us because this is our first co-op game. And we had tried and failed at developing at least a few solo slash co-op games, realizing that in a head-to-head -head game, you're balanced out. The games oftentimes balance themselves because your, your opponent can push back on you. But when the, the, the thing pushing back on you is the game itself, it was really hard to get the right amount of difficulty because if it's too easy, no one will want to, people will beat it and never play it again. If it's too hard, people will get really mad and, and frustrated and not play it again. So it has to be just challenging enough that people want to keep going back and, oh, we got to try, oh, we lost, we got to try it again. Oh, you really want that feel. And uh, so that's why we, we have so many little things you can add in so that people can fine tune it to the difficulty that kind of gets them excited. I'll add that in this one, it, what's interesting about co-op and solo games, um, a lot of them have kind of an AI simple machine kind of running the game as, as kind of a ghost player almost. And in this, it's, it's not that. It's more the player's mistakes coming back to bite them over the course of the game, literally and figuratively. Wait, so I'm going to get actually bit while I'm playing this game. There's snakes are hidden in the box. I'm literally going to get bit by a mistake. <laughs> All right. No, there's, I don't think there's any snakes in these boxes. If you get one, that's just a little bonus pet for you to take care of while you play the game. So, yes. So when are these games, is this game of Koba going to be available? And how do people get their hands on it? So it'll be available on the Game Crafter, thegamecrafter.com. What we're starting with a crowd sale on the Game Crafter. It'll launch June fifth. That's a Monday in June, twenty twenty three, and it'll run for two weeks. And then after the crowd sale, uh, it'll just be available in general for a slightly higher price. And so, how does this crowd sale? work on Game Crafter? Because it's very different, or maybe not very different, but it's definitely different than Kickstarters that people sure. are used to. Yeah, well, it was presumably inspired by Kickstarter. I can't speak to that for sure, but you can imagine. And what it does is instead of, um, the way Kickstarter does it is, as most people are probably aware, at each, each goal that they hit, each pricing tier, they add more to the game, more promos and extra cards and all the all the add, not add-ons, but all the all the extra stuff, bonus material. But on the game crafter, instead of doing that, it's that every ten people that buy into a campaign, the price goes down a certain percentage, which is really cool because for us, we don't have to design all this extra stuff that may or may not be worthwhile. But then for the the players. It's it's it incentivizes you to tell your friends, oh, you should join this because it everybody benefits from it by getting a, a cheaper price. Oh, you're not paying for the print-on-demand price anymore. You're getting a a true bulk printing of it. Right, because that's a, a criticism of the game crafter is that it is a little expensive. It, it I mean, it's super indie. It's super one of a kind. That's the benefit, the first benefit. You could find other games cheaper because they're printing, in most cases, they're printing them one-off. And so the crowd sale 
they're of course saving money by getting more people to buy in so they can do them all in one fell swoop. And in, in this one, if you back this game, you're guaranteed to get it. 100%. Unlike <laughs> other kickstarting or backer, different crowdfunding projects where they have to hit a minimum before it will be produced. If you back this, you're getting it and you're going to get it. There's a timeline for receiving it, too. That's not too it's long, right? Short. It's probably a month okay. or two, maybe three at most. I can't say for sure. But I've waited. You know, Most Kickstarters, you wait half a year to a year, I think. And this yes. is a matter of months, weeks or months. And yeah, even if it's just Ryan's mom and my mom who buys our games, they'll still get them, even if they're the only two backers. Well, see, there you go. Hopefully you at least autograph the tin for your mothers. <laughs> yeah. When they get it, so. <laughs> All right, yeah, I mean, this game, I will have links to uh, where you can order this game and to Game Crafter and all that good stuff in our show notes online. I'll be posting it on social media. So if you guys want to purchase and back this game and you can't figure out how to do it, just find Wisco Dice anything and we'll have it there. Is there anything else that we should know about this game, you guys? Well, and you're yeah. welcome to find Crossbow Games. We're most active on Instagram. And so it's crossbow underscore games on Instagram. Follow us and feel free to message us. I've had people message me with rules questions before or whatever. So that's where you'd find us or crossbowgames.com. In both places, you'll find a way to get to our crowd sale. Also, worth mentioning, if, if the mechanics have not yet sold you, go check out the artwork because Andy Kohler did an amazing job with these renders. There's a quick story I could share about the artwork, which is really cool. Yes. I'm an ad adjunct teacher at my alma mater, which is the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design. I'm, a, I'm an illustrator, graphic designer. And one of my students, he was a recent graduate, and he reached out and said, hey, can I work on some artwork for a game? And my, I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know. This is kind of a new question. I've never had that question before. And it just so happened that he specialized in 3D artwork, like uh, computer-rendered CG artwork, and that he had a personal passion for ancient civilizations and ancient languages. So he had done a project for me in one of my classes where he did, he studied ancient Egyptian and ancient Chinese and ancient Sumerian language and made these this artwork based off it. And so when he asked me to, if he could work on the, a game, my, I was like, oh my gosh, we've got this Koba game sitting without any artwork. And it's literally carved stone, these stone steps that we imagined Mayan hieroglyphics or whatever you'd call them, carved into them. And so he went, he went crazy on them. He knocked it out of the park. And so the, the, the snake, the leopard, and the monkey hieroglyph are inspired to some degree, but they are fully informed by historical Mayan artwork. And the logo itself, he, he did research and found that these characters that felt similar enough there's special action cards. I was speaking to multi-use. There's other, there's beyond the step and the basic action, there's also some special actions. 
And there's a death talisman and a time talisman. And both of those are also based on some Mayan artwork, which is pretty, pretty amazing. And so I've done the artwork for all of our games so far. And this is our first game where we've collaborated with another artist. And it was so exciting to see that come to life and a, a, a lot easier for me. I didn't have to do it. Yeah. I will say he did an amazing job. I don't know this person at all, but from how you described what you were looking for and what he specializes in makes sense why I kept rubbing the top of the box thinking it was 3D and there was <laughs> something wrong with my sense of touch because it looks like it's this embossed 3D yeah. and it's not and same with the cards. I like some of them I just want to pick the knife off up them. But you know what? It's it's 2D people. Right. Try as much as you want. You can't pick it up. <laughs> so, not cool to the touch. No, but, you know, it makes it easier to shuffle and play the game and keep, you know, it hidden when they're all flat. So, um, yes, you, it's a great, great choice in having him do this artwork for you. For real. Well, with that, thank you both for being here and talking with me again about Crossbow Games and your new game, Koba, that's coming out soon. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Thanks so much for having us. It was our pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of this show wherever your favorite place is to find podcasts. Oh, and by the way, give us a like on our Facebook page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest while you're at it. If you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on the blog at wiscodice.com. Hey, Brian, what's that site? Oh, darn. I forget. Uh, Justin, what's our website again? Wiscodice.com. That's right, it's whiskodice.com. And until next time, everyone, peace out.